Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Tim Flack is currently serving as Senior Attorney for Memphis Child, which stands for Children's Health Law Directive at Labonner Children's Hospital. Memphis Child is an innovative alliance between the University of Memphis Law School, Labonner Children's Hospital, Memphis Area Legal Services, and the University of Tennessee Health Science Center that provides legal services to low-income pediatric patients and their families. Tim is employed by Labonner and joined the Memphis Child Team in September of 2016. Tim is a 1999 graduate of the University of Memphis Cecil C. Humphrey School of Law, and prior to coming to Memphis Child, he practiced for a total of 14 years as a prosecutor for the city of Memphis. Taking a break from practice from 2013 to 2015 to work at Labonner in a non-legal capacity as Director of Patient and Family-Centered Care and Volunteer Services. Tim has a true passion for the work of both Labonner and Memphis Child, which stems from his own family's experience at Labonner. Tim's oldest daughter, Madeline, was diagnosed with four congenital heart defects and underwent open-heart surgery at Labonner in March of 2006. Tim has served in numerous volunteer capacities for Labonner since 2007, including as chair of the hospital's Family Partners Council, as a mentor for patients and families in the CVICU, and as a mentor for the DAS support group. In 2014, he was the winner of the Memphis Business Journal's Healthcare Hero Award for the non-physician category for his work with Labonner. Tim is also a 2018 graduate of the Leadership Memphis Executive Program. We are thrilled to have Tim Flack with us here today doing the podcast. Welcome, Tim. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good yeah, to be here, so, Brittany. So glad yeah. you're here. Um, let's start out with you just telling us a little bit about where you work and what your role is there. Okay. So I'm an attorney. Don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> but I work for a program at Labonner uh, known as Memphis Child. And what we are, uh, we are a medical legal partnership, which um, basically what that is, is we embed legal professionals like myself. Uh, we also have a social worker on our team at the hospital working hand-in-hand hand with um, caregivers at the hospital. And that's, that's caregiver, we define that very broadly. It can be physicians, nurses, social workers, chaplains. Um, and what we do is we help to address the legal barriers that people have, that families have, that are impacting their child's health. Um, and so we, we kind of break our, our cases down. The work that we do is all civil legal matters. We don't handle criminal matters, but um, um, we help families, uh, for instance, that have issues with getting their children disability. Uh, it's really called SSI, but a lot of people refer to it as disability for children. That's, that's the bulk of my practice. Um, we assist families with housing issues. Unfortunately, here in Memphis and Shelby County, we have a lot of families that live in substandard housing, mm -hmm. mold, insects, all kinds of things that are impacting their child's health and resulting in families coming to the hospital. Lots of families struggle with educational supports at their school, so we can assist families in getting IEPs, 504 plans, 
Um, we help families a lot with um, conservatorships, which probably a lot of people have heard about lately because of all that's unfortunately gone on with Britney Spears. But um, those are legal instruments that allow families that have children, adult children that are intellectually disabled mm. who cannot make decisions for themselves to be able to do that. Um, we're a collaboration with four community organizations. I work for Labonner. And like I said, we have a social worker that's also employed by Labonner. Um, we have an intake coordinator uh, who is also employed by the hospital. Our other partner is the University of Memphis Law School. Uh, we have a professor, Katie Ramsey Mason, who's also a lawyer, um, who works on our team. And she also teaches a clinical legal education class around medical legal partnerships. Um, the University of Memphis also has a staff attorney that works with us, uh, doesn't teach on the faculty, but actually works cases with us. The other neat thing about University of Memphis is that the law students that take Katie's class actually come to the hospital and work on cases and represent families along with us. Oh, that's so neat. Our other partner is Memphis Area Legal Services, which for those of you that don't know, that's our local legal aid provider in Memphis and Shelby County. So they have an attorney that's assigned to us to assist with cases for families. And then our other big partner is uh, UT Health Science Center, the medical school. We have a physician uh, who is actually a hospitalist, a pediatrician that works in the hospital, uh, Dr. Emily Dobish. And Emily is what we call our medical champion and that she's a champion for the program with physicians at the hospital. But she's also a liaison to our program and that um, – for instance, the bulk of my practice, like I said, is assisting families in getting SSI for their kids. That involves a tremendous number of, of reading medical records. Now, as an attorney, you know, I'm a couple of night classes away from becoming a doctor, but not quite there yet. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and so Emily helps me a lot in deciphering medical records, and okay. she's there for all kinds of cases. So, so yeah, that's what we do. We are We're actually located... Um, down the street from the hospital at the Methodist Labonner Community Outreach Building. We're one of our community-based programs. And, uh, okay. yeah, we help all kinds of families at the hospital I don't think I realized issues. that. Obviously, COVID is, has, you know, not allowed me to go down there as much. Right. I thought at one point y'all were We were actually in the research, in, we were in okay. the research uh, tower at Labonner, but um, – there was a clinical care team. Our nutrition team really was in need of a lot of space. And okay. when COVID happened, you know, lawyers can do a lot of work remotely. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, during COVID, we've been meeting with clients through Zoom and over the phone, which actually overall has been much more beneficial to families than trying to come downtown and meet with us. Okay. And so we decided to sort of reduce our physical footprint and moved our community outreach building, but it has not affected our ability to connect with families in any way at all. So, so yep. Labonner itself just employs three of you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then the other people that you named are either employed by University of Memphis mm -hmm. or right. UT Health Science Center or right. wherever else. Okay. Yep. And tell me about, I mean, this is such a, you know, to me, a much needed program, um, a do you have any idea about how many hospitals actually have something like this? So, um, yeah, medical legal partnerships have really been really a short amount of time. They have been in existence um, as a concept in his programs really since the early 90s. And they, interestingly enough, started up in Boston. There was uh, an emergency room doctor at, um, at Boston Children's Hospital who became incredibly frustrated 
that the children that he was seeing and treating were continually coming back to the hospital because of legal issues. So at a party one time, he was talking to somebody and they said, well, what you really need to do is hire an attorney. And so he went out and did it. Wow. Um, and so the thus the, the medical legal partnership was born. Okay. There are probably about 1,500 medical legal partnerships across the country. They're not just in pediatric settings like Le Bonheur, though all the top 10 children's hospitals in the country have some program okay. uh, that's similar to Memphis Child. They're in adult facilities. Um, the VA hospitals have quite a few MLPs, okay. and that's because the VA has seen the, the importance of providing this type of support to their patients and families, and so they have actually funded um, funded that program in VA hospitals. Um, Memphis Child is unique among uh, MLPs across the country, not only because of the four partners that have come together, Many MLPs, the typical MLP is a clinic or a hospital that partners with a local legal aid agency. An attorney may come to the hospital or to the clinic one or two times a month and takes referrals that come in from from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, Memphis Child is unique in that we're embedded in the hospital. We have the number of attorneys that we do, and we're also um, really... Uh, for lack of a better term, a full-service law firm on a number of civil legal issues. We cover all those things that I said. Many MLPs are solely focused on one particular legal area. For instance, they may only do cases like the work that I do, disability. They may only focus on housing issues. They may only focus on education issues. So the fact that we have this many partners and this full you know, extent of services makes Memphis Child pretty unique. But yeah, yeah overall... Probably about 1,500 of okay. these programs around the country. Okay. Yeah. And so, obviously, since you focus on the Social Security aspect, there's got to be your law, other lawyers, partners, students that focus on some of the others. Right. The housing, right. the, the IEP, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Okay. So, over time, our program has now been in existence for almost a little over six years now. So, each of the attorneys, as, as the program has continued, have really specialized mm-hmm. in particular areas. Um our University of Memphis attorneys are primarily focused on education and housing issues. Our attorney from Memphis Area Legal Services primarily focuses on um, um, housing issues, family custody type okay. of issues. Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, over time, we've all sort of developed our, our own specializations and areas of practice, which I, I think strengthens, you know, it's it's um, it's a lot better for families to have to be able to talk to somebody that you know works in one particular area rather than trying to do everything. Right, yeah. right, of course. Right. Well, tell us a little bit. I think your story, um, you know, I've known y'all a long, long time, and so I've, I've seen the way that um, your work and your and your family life, your personal life, and your career have intersected and mm-hmm. how you've been able to use your story of your family to then impact what you're doing. And so, Take us back to what brought you to Le Bonheur so okay. many years ago and your story of of even why you're so passionate about mm-hmm. Le Bonheur. Um, and then we can kind of weave into how that then turned into what you're doing now. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I get an opportunity like this quite a bit to tell my story. Um, 
when I introduce myself, I often say, well, I'm the senior attorney for Memphis Child. And the only reason they call me that is because I'm the oldest guy around now. So <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't necessarily have anything to do with expertise. But my, my real story is my Laboner story um, and how I, I inter- was able to intersect and, and, and become involved in this work. So we have been a Laboner family now, believe it or not, for over 15 years. And our story starts with my, my oldest daughter, Madeline. Uh, Madeline is now 16, a junior in high school, which, again, why the senior moniker really applies to me <laughs> these days. Um, but when Madeline was 10 months old, uh, we discovered um, that she had uh, four previously undiagnosed congenital heart defects. Um, that was in March of 2006. Never will forget it. We were on a walk um, in our neighborhood, and a dog came up, ran up to a chain link fence and barked and scared Madeline, and it looked like she passed out. And so that precipitated a series of events of actually taking her to the pediatrician's office the next day, became increasingly upset with being examined, passed out at the pediatrician's office, and my wife uh, and Madeline ended up in an ambulance coming down to Laboner, and that's when we discovered... um, you know, how incredibly sick she was. Um, that first time at Laboner, we were there for about 15 days. She had open heart surgery, repaired one of the defects that she had. Um, the good part of the story is, is that she's done incredibly well. Um, back in those days, um, we were what we called frequent flyers at the hospital. We were there, you know, every three weeks for checkups and She's had a couple of other cath procedures and other things over the years. But, you know, we we have graduated to being one of, thankfully, one of those families where, as of last year, we only have to go once a year to see the cardiologist. Mm-hmm. So that's how well she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the, you know, really the, first of all, the incredible medical care that we got, um, you know, I think I was like a lot of people in Memphis. I didn't even, I knew where Laboner was because I worked downtown, but I didn't realize what a wonderful hospital it was, but more than just the great medical care, it's just just the the people that worked there and how they loved on us and cared for us. And you know, from that from that very beginning up until now, many of those people are like family to us. So, because of the way the care that we received, my wife Bridget and I wanted to give something back to this place that had you know meant so much to our family, um, and so. Within about a year of our first admission there, um, a a new CEO came to the hospital, Mary Armour, um, and she decided that um, Laboner was going to be a place where we were really going to focus on patients and families. We were really going to make sure that they were at the center of everything that we did and and how we did things at Laboner. So because of that, um, they created a, a group of people called the Family Partners Council, which, you know, Brittany, you and I were on there. Um, we were just a group of family whose kids had had been patients at Laboner, and we worked with the hospital to make sure that, you know, that stuff happened, that families were at the center of everything that we did. Um, my wife, Bridget, and Brittany, and uh, another guy, a friend of ours, Zach Ives, started a program, the Parent Mentor Program at Laboner together, you know, um, to focus on working with families and walking with them through their journey. Bridget has continued to do that, not as much because of COVID and other issues that have happened, but, you know, just working directly with families. So as a result of all of that volunteer work and and connecting with the hospital, um, 
I was actually offered the opportunity uh, in 2013 to leave legal practice for about two and a half years and work at the hospital as um, Labonner's Director of Patient and Family Centered Care, doing a lot of things I'd done as a volunteer. Um, in 2015, I went back to legal practice. The, the bulk of my practice um, before I went to Labonner at, for, uh, went to work at Memphis Child, I was a prosecutor for the city of Memphis. So um, if my voice sounds familiar, you probably <laughs> had gotten a traffic ticket at some point when I was working down at 201 Poplar. Um, I went back to the prosecutor's office in 2015 for about a year and a half. Believe it or not, it just 201 Poplar was not nearly as glamorous as I had <laughs> remembered it was uh, back in those 12 years that I worked there before. Uh, and then this opportunity uh, the Memphis Child Program actually was started uh, in that interim period while I was gone from Labonner and then had been up and running for about a year. Uh, and then I, I went and met with um, Mary Armour, the CEO, and, and really not, not intending to go back to work at Labonner, but, you know, she was an incredible leader and just wanted to get her advice on my career and where I was going to go next. And um, through that meeting, this opportunity came up to come to, to work at Memphis Child. And so, so I did that in, in 2016. So, yeah, I like to say really, um, you know, coming back to Labonner, even though you know, it's been five years now that I've been back, it's hard to believe it's, it's gone by that quickly. It was really like coming home for me. Um, I've always, from the time that I went to law school, I, I sort of had this vague notion that I wanted to help people. Um, I'm sure maybe I helped people at 201 Poplar, but you know, that experience with Madeline, I could never have imagined that I would ever be working at a hospital doing, mm -hmm. I didn't even know what a medical legal partnership was. So to live through that experience um, and to have been shaped and, and, you know, cared for by this hospital, which in, then in turn has led to, to this, you know, very unique career for an attorney. It's, it's just incredible. I, you know, in many ways, I'm able to um, work and really practice family-centered care in a way mm -hmm. that I never even did when I was at Lamonter the first time because mm -hmm. I'm taking what I trained to do as a professional and using that to directly impact families. So, you know, it's a dream come true. Mm -hmm. uh, not many people get to do what they really love to do in a unique way like, like I do, and it's, it's, uh, it's an incredible blessing that yeah. I've been able to do that. Yeah. It's been really neat to see and, and just to see how it's all kind of weaved together mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just to, to watch the work that, um, you know, has happened. And, and so much, I mean, obviously you and Bridget had such a huge part of the Family Partners Council and Family Centered Care and weaving together what that looks like and, right. you know, how families can, can best be helped and how they can have a voice. Right. I think. That is something that we also are encouraging, not only the Four Spence Fund, but even the podcast, too, of we want to encourage families. One of the reasons we're having so many different people on of different educational things and walks is that we want to encourage them. We want to encourage them to be an advocate. We want to encourage them to be a voice. They are the best voice for their child. They know their child the best. And so um, it's been fun to watch y'all be able to do that and to encourage others also to Trust your gut. You know, that day that Madeline fainted, you could have mm -hmm. just thought, oh, you know, that was just, she didn't sleep well last night right. or she was tired or, you know, whatever else. And, and um, instead you knew in your gut, there's something off here right. and we need to pursue this. And um, 
and we really need to trust our gut and we need to follow that. And obviously she's done great and wonderful. And, um, she also, she's somebody I'd, I'd love to have on as well. Cause she does she such a great that. job telling yeah. her story and, um, you know, and how that has weaved through as well. Um, well, tell me a little bit more about how families are referred to you. Okay. How, you know, let's, let's take, you know, a, an example of one of our families who, you know, we get a call that they need to leave their where they're leasing right mm-hmm. now because it has mold and whatever else, but their landlord will not let them break their lease. Okay. But the child continues to get sick and go into the hospital. How do they acquire your services? Okay. Yeah. Great question. So, um, again, we're a medical legal partnership. So, really, the gateway or the doorway to um, services through Memphis Child is through a provider at Labonner. So, if you're connected with a family, for instance, that has a housing issue, the way that families get directly connected to us is to talk to their physician, their nurse. Uh, it could be a case manager, really anybody social that works work. at a social yeah, worker, okay. anybody that they're connected with at Labonner. Right. And those people know because we've done a lot of um, advertising is probably not a, a good word, but we do a lot of education yeah. with Labonner staff about our services and how to refer to us. So when a family talks to or and oftentimes it's not even just the family talking about the problem, the staff also knows to ask questions to families. But anyway, if you know of a family, tell them to talk to any of the people that they're connected with at Labonner. Uh, and then that staff person will make a referral to us, and they know how to do that. There's an actual form that you fill out. And then what happens, um, we are um, – uh, and first of all, that's, you know, that's the way to get connected to us. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have – we don't take walk-ins or cold calls from families. That's just not how we're set up mm-hmm. um, and how the program is structured. Um, so those families, those referrals are made to us. Um, There are um, certain requirements for eligibility. Um, We are an income-based service, so we do have a cap on the amount of income that a family or resources that a family has in order to qualify for our services. The reality is that Labonner, about 90% of our patient population qualifies income-wise for our services. So once that referral is made, then um, we have a weekly meeting. Um, the, our intake coordinator, Jody Smith, uh, that I was talking about before that works for Lamonor, she calls the family with a series of questions to make sure that they meet those income requirements, um, gets sort of an overall picture of what's going on with their legal issue, may collect some documents from the family. And then once a week, all the attorneys on the project, we sit down and we discuss all the cases and then if, if that particular case is something that an attorney can take, then that attorney will reach out directly and schedule an appointment to talk to the family. So long explanation, but bottom line for families that are listening, if you have a legal issue um, that you think you need some assistance with from an attorney, talk to your doctor, talk to your nurse, talk to the social worker on your floor, your case manager, your chaplain, and then they will know how to get that referral over to us and, and get you connected to us for help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's really, truly amazing. Yep. And so again, just, you know, a lot of the things we also encourage is to be vulnerable, to, to mm-hmm. be real and tell your staff that you're working with. I think sometimes, you know, we have a tendency to want to kind of feel like we have it all together and that right. we don't need the help that we need, but we know having a sick child is one of the hardest, biggest stress factors in the life exactly. of a family. And so 
on top of that to have concern about living or schooling mm-hmm. or disability or whatever else, um, that just adds to it. And so y'all can be such a resource to be able to help and encourage them and right. hopefully offer the assistance that they need. Um, and so I just think that is is such a needed thing. I, my hope is that eventually every children's hospital can have a program like right. y'all right. and um, that hopefully children's hospitals would see that it's such a need. I do think one of the beauties of Memphis is Memphis really believes in the work of nonprofits right. and Memphis really believes in the work of service and mm-hmm. helping people. And so I know there's other ways that Memphis gets bad raps, but this is such a beautiful thing of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And so I love the way that all of the different resources y'all are coming together. These community partners right. are working together to make the best that you can make. Right. And I also love the aspect of students learning. Yes. Um, and being is, able to be in that part. Tell me a little bit more yeah, about big, that. That's a big part of what, what you do. And, and also, you know, and I'll get to the students, but you're right. I mean, the medical legal part, I, we're very blessed in Memphis. We are we're primarily grant funded, um, as you know, lots of nonprofits are, but the Urban Child Institute is a large organization here in Memphis that provides a lot of our funding. But, you know, again, coming to get, we, we've been very blessed at Memphis Child to also have incredible institutional support. So to go into what you said, our hope would be, and, and one thing that we hope to be at Memphis Child is a model for other children's hospitals, how, you know, hospitals can provide um, this type of, of care and support to families. But mm-hmm. students, yes, yeah, students are also, I was talking about the uniqueness of Memphis Child. Students, that's another unique part of, of what we do, that we have students that are coming in, law students working on cases. Are they a second, third year? What are they Typically, typically? they are second or third year law students. Okay. You have to be at least a second year law student okay. to take a clinical class, which okay. Which is what this class is. The other unique aspect of, of what we do, um, I mentioned Dr. Emily Dobish. She teaches medical students and residents at the hospital as part of what she does. And so those residents and medical students actually take classes together with our law students um, at least four to five times a semester. They come mm-hmm. together and have a class. The uh, law students discuss their cases with the residents and the residents then discuss, um, you know, once those families are referred to us, we go through all the legal paperwork that allow them to talk about this stuff together. But it's a very um, unique cross collaboration of disciplines that are typically not going to meet each other, especially doctors and lawyers. Mm-hmm. Typically, when doctors and lawyers meet each other, it's not under very pleasant <laughs> circumstances. But um, that is another un- um, unique vehicle that we have for teaching the future generation of students. To the point that many times um, when residents apply to UT to come to Memphis, they are already asking about, you know, do you have this kind of program at Lebanon or does this kind of program exist? And it's also um, good for us as a program, but more importantly for the families that we serve at Lebanon, going back to what you said about giving families a voice, we are training these residents and, and by extension, the staff at the hospital to be aware of our program, but also to empower families and give them a voice to start talking about maybe some issues that a family may not typically think about when they're in the hospital or in the clinic mm-hmm. to voice that, yeah, I, I can't go home because the wiring in my house is really dangerous mm-hmm. or 
I've tried a thousand times to get SSI for my child and I can't do it. And then the residents and the physicians by extension then know to like, well, let me tell you about this great program we can get you connected with at Labonner that can give you that voice. So, yeah. 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 Let me ask one other. So back, uh, almost 12 years ago when, um, Mary Armour really wanted a parent mentor program mm. and we didn't have one. She flew me out to California and I sat under Lucille Packard for a week mm-hmm. and went to a conference and learned and studied. And then I brought back what I learned to build the program. Is that something that y'all would ever be willing to do if there is someone else out there that is thinking about doing a program like that? Would y'all ever be willing to host someone that's interested to learn more about what y'all are doing so they potentially could start it at their own hospital. Oh, definitely. Um, and to some extent, we've, we've already done that. Okay. Um, we were invited, um, now it's hard to believe it's been a whole year, but at the end of last year, we did a webinar through the Children's Hospital Association um, with another uh, pretty large pediatric MLP at Children's Hospital in Minnesota up in uh, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um talking about how our program started um, and, you know, basically how do you bring community partners together to do the type of work that we do and, and why that's that's incredibly important. So again, you know, one of the things, one of our goals at Memphis Child is to, um, I guess, make more of a concerted effort to sort of package what we do in order to be able to do what you're asking, mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. share with other people around the country um, how we do what we do and how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, medical legal partnerships, the lifespan of one, unfortunately, is only from about three to five years. Really? And the reason for that is because, again, like I talked about, oftentimes it's very small. It's a partnership between maybe a hospital and a legal aid agency. And the bottom line oftentimes is funding. Yeah. I mean, legal aid agencies are not very funded very well. And, you know, this is a great project to start with the hospital, but, you know, once that grant funding runs out, there's just not any money to do that. Mm-hmm. So in order to build a long-term sustainable program like we've been able to do at Labonner, it's incredibly important from the beginning, uh, at least we feel, to bring in a number of community partners mm-hmm. like we have to secure that funding source and to be able to continue to do this work. And so, you know, we've been very fortunate to have been able to do it as long as, as we have, and we intend to be here a lot longer, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that is one thing that, that we're looking for. And we would definitely, if anybody out there listening would like for us to come and talk about how we do this program, we, we're, we're always open and, and love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously too, funding, you know, you've got to have the stats to back up what mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, good or bad mm-hmm. outside funding want stats right. more than they want stories. Right. And so, you know, where feel good stories make all of us feel good of, of how you've helped a family escape, you know, a very bad living situation or a, you know, a poverty situation where they need social security or their child has an education, but stats talk, mm-hmm. especially exactly. to funders. And so I'm sure that's something that y'all have in place of right. knowing how many you've helped, how many mm-hmm. are considered low income, medium to low mm-hmm. income. So I'm sure y'all figured all that stuff out too. Right. Well, yeah. And, and again, a, something that makes us unique at Memphis Child. Um, we are very fortunate because we're part of Methodist Labonner Community Outreach. 
Methodist Lamonter Community Outreach has an, an entire evaluation team that's able to assist us in collecting data and statistics. Um, that, well, first of all, you know, that is not the wheelhouse for many attorneys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if I was good at data and statistics, mm-hmm. I would have been an engineer or a doctor. I right. mean, I wouldn't have gone to law school. Um, but you're right. That's yeah. that's what funders want to see. So we're very, very fortunate um, to have an entire team that works with us lawyers who this may not be our strong suit um, to collect that data on, you know, the types of cases that were that are coming in, uh, the financial impact that we're making. Um that's one statistic that, you know, really blows a lot of people's minds. And, and really why, for instance, I, we'll talk about one, one, you know, area of cases that we do, conservatorships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless there's some interesting family dynamics going on, a conservatorship for a child that is intellectually disabled, and there's really no question about it. Again, it's not like a Britney Spears situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, a, you know, for instance, maybe an adult child that has an IQ of, maybe someone in the first grade or something, mm-hmm. uh, definitely an adult that's never going to be able to make decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be able to do something like that, first of all, you had to file paperwork with a court. Mm-hmm. In Shelby County, that's about $250. A lot of families don't have that. Mm-hmm. And then to have to go out and pay an attorney to do that, it's going to cost you anywhere from three to $5,000 mm-hmm. to have that done. So that's another impact. And again, showing the importance of data just from... You know, everything that we do, I get, you know, I didn't even mention this. Everything that we do at Memphis Child is absolutely free. To that was going to be my next question. We do what not is the bill, cost to families? We do not bill anything wow. to families. Wow. Um, now, some families, um, if they do have the financial resources, if there are filing fees, um, we will, you know, ask them to do that. However, we found as the project went on that oftentimes, again, like I just said, that was a huge barrier to families. Mm-hmm. If you're a family of seven people living on less than $14,000, $250 to file some paperwork at the court, you're never going to come up with that. Mm-hmm. So we're very fortunate to been able to get the funds to cover that, and we will cover that for families as That's well. Um, so, yeah, everything that we do, we you know, none, no time is ever billed. The work that I do... Again, with my Social Security work, um, the way that an attorney gets paid on those cases in private practice is they petition the Social Security Administration for a fee if they win the case. I never request a fee on those cases. So when we win and those families get that monthly benefit and then they also can get a bulk payment, I'm not going to get into too much detail on that, but it can be what they call a back payment back to the time that a family first, first applied, yeah. and that can be a significant amount of money, and we I don't take any of that for the work that I do. Yeah, so, that's yeah. really amazing. Okay, well, pivoting again, mm-hmm. you told us a little bit about Madeline. Tell mm-hmm. us about the rest of your family. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, my other two, we have two other children, uh, Eli and Susanna. Um, Eli is in middle school. Uh, going to be going to high school next year. And then Susanna, our youngest, has just started middle school. Uh, and they, too, have both been patients at Lamonter, believe it or not. Um, uh, Eli, when uh, when he was a little guy, had inherited my sinus and allergy issues. So he had ended up having um, sinus surgery at the Lamonter East Surgery Center. And then, um, you know, Susanna is a, a gymnast. She actually takes competitive gymnastics. And from the very beginning, she was a gymnast. Um, 
when she was about three months old, she um, decided to jump off the changing table <laughs> when Bridget, my wife, had turned to grab a diaper, uh, landed on her head on our hardwood floors in the house and got sick. And so we thought she had a concussion. So down to Labonner, we, we, we brought Susanna. So, you know, all, all three of my kids have, have been impacted in some way by Labonner. So yeah. again, just an example of, of, but what, none what of them had heart conditions. None of none just of the Madeline. just Madeline. None, the other okay. two have not had. You know, and is that something that either of you is that family? Is that? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. So, um, my youngest brother um, did have a congenital heart defect uh, called Tetralogy of Fallot, um, and had surgery at Vanderbilt. Uh, we were I grew up outside Nashville in 1978. Um, hard to believe. Um, but one of the procedures that Madeline had, uh, we actually went up to Boston for because at that time at Labonner, they didn't do it. So we went up to Boston Children's Hospital and we did get interviewed um, for um, perhaps participating in a study where they looked at genetic conditions um, in, around congenital heart defects. Um, but we, we, we didn't participate because, you know, they really felt like... Um, your dad's brother, your uncle having a congenital heart defect and Madeline having one, it was just not close enough connection. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess it can be, but in, in our case, no, it, okay. it was not. So, and, it, and that was something that, um, you know, after we went through that with Madeline, we, we were a little bit concerned about having right. more children, right. but we have always been told that that was, you know, it, it wasn't something that we really needed to worry too mm -hmm. much about that it was very rare to have more than one child that that had those those issues but congenital heart defects are you know pretty common mm -hmm. a lot of people do have them mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so um she just had quite a few she had four yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. was unusual right, right, right. so yeah yeah, to yeah. Have, you, you may know, hear yeah. one two right. <laughs> you know or you hear the kind of more extreme of hypoplastic mm. left heart syndrome or something exactly. like that versus the four right. different ones. Or and again, or a, a child with Down syndrome. Oftentimes yeah. they will have congenital heart defects as a result of that. But yeah, to, yeah Madeline was unique to, yeah. <laughs> to have the four all at one time. And so she will be followed the rest of her life. She will She'll be. have to eventually transfer over to adult care, mm -hmm. correct? Right. Um, I did read recently about Labonner bringing in somebody in, that – is really focusing on that, the transition yes. of children who have heart defects into what the adult world, because it is so different than adults who have heart conditions that mm -hmm. for numerous reasons, whatever they may be, is very different than children who are exactly. born with it and, and grow with it or whatever else. Yeah. So um, I know that'll be a different right road that y'all will have yeah, to take. Yeah, we're incredibly fortunate to have our adult congenital heart program at Labonner, which actually has a nurse practitioner who himself mm -hmm. had a congenital that's heart defect. I, that's yeah. what I read about. So, yeah, um, that's so really yeah. And, and like you said, you know, adult cardiologists know how to treat acquired heart disease, mm -hmm. typically do not know how to treat um, kids with congenital heart conditions. So Madeline, yes, she will transition eventually to that clinic and will have to be seen. And again, the family connection, one of the struggles that my, my youngest brother has had over the years uh, before really adult congenital heart stuff mm -hmm. is, is a new subspecialty. And that just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So throughout his adult life, he has struggled to try to find care 
through adult cardiologists or trying to find a children's hospital. And now he's very fortunate that he is connected um, with the children's hospital that, that treats him. He was, they were living in Alabama at one time. And so now he has physicians at UAB that work mm. with him. But mm. yeah, that's, it's very exciting because she will, it, the defects that she has, she will never be cured of. Mm-hmm. A couple of them have been cured, if you will, through surgical interventions and through cath procedures. But um, one of her defects, yes, yeah, she that that will be a lifelong issue for her, and so she'll need specialized care for that mm-hmm. for her life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else that you think we should know, um, especially in regards to Memphis Child, um, or even just your family, or anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with before okay. we head out? Yeah. So I, again, I I would just emphasize, you know, just to you know, Memphis Child is a program that is there for you if you need us. Um, You know, I understand, as you understand, Brittany, oftentimes when you're in a hospital, the last thing that you want to think about is, um, you know, legal services Mm -hmm. or some sort of legal problem that you have going on. Um, So um, one thing I I did want to say was not not only are we getting referrals when people are in the hospital, we also primarily, the bulk of times, families are referred to us from when they go back to their doctor, mm. from the outpatient mm-hmm. clinics, from seeing their specialists. So, you know, don't forget about us. Mm-hmm. And even if you're overwhelmed when you're in the hospital, once you go back and you're coming back, once your child has gone home, either to see your pediatrician or your specialist, those folks can refer to us as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, don't don't forget about that. We're, we're here for families. Um and again, I would just say, um, you know, this this is really, you know, a culmination of a lot of things that have put me in a unique position to do this great work. But like you said before, um, don't be afraid to be a voice for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we we have said as parent mentors and the family partners council, really, what you're doing as you, where you're where you're being a voice or advocating often really what it comes down to is just telling your story mm-hmm. because you as a parent know your child better than anybody else and so being able to articulate that and tell that to a doctor is just as important to being able to tell that to a nurse or a social worker or even if you get connected to somebody like me mm-hmm. telling your child's story and advocating for your child is really the the one of the most important things that you can can do as a parent to you know get your child on that road to being whole again. Yeah. yeah. And I think even with that too by telling your story even if your story has some really hard um, times to where maybe it didn't go certain aspects, you know, maybe right. the way that this went or that went that if you are at we always say in a respectful kind way mm-hmm. but you share that hopefully you'll help someone else in the future that right. that won't happen again right. or, you know, that, that things will change. I mean, the, the way that even Lombaner has changed in 14 years, mm-hmm. so many of the people that we have been interviewing through this podcast, I mean, there was no palliative care when we right. were there. There right. was no Memphis child, uh, you know, social work and child life were nothing like they are today. Mm-hmm. And so it's exciting to me to even know what are the next right. 10 years going to look like. Uh, if you are listening as well and you don't personally have a child in the hospital, but you know someone, I encourage you to speak with them about this program and looking mm-hmm. into it. If you think it's something, often when I am mentoring families and they're in the hospital, they're so overwhelmed 
with all of the different things coming at them that sometimes they can't process, Mm -hmm. you know, other aspects of it. And so sometimes I will look at a family member or a friend and say, hey, I'm going to speak to you because, you know, when they possibly go home and the the dust has settled some from this trauma, this uh, immediate need and concern they may forget that I even had this conversation Mm -hmm. with you. And so I'm going to look at you, friend, caregiver, or friend, you know, family member, whatever else, and say, but will you remember? You know, will you remember? I often say, will you remember the Forest Fence Fund and that we can help them with counseling, Mm -hmm. that we will get them plugged into counseling because they may not remember that. And so if you're someone listening to and you know of a friend or a family member or someone who's struggling with a sick child and you think, gosh, that's something they have been struggling with for a long time is Social Security. Mm-hmm. Or they've been struggling with their landlord fixing the things in the, the apartment that is one of the reasons their child keeps getting sick or IEP or whatever else. You could be that voice for them to encourage them to speak to someone um, because families so often are just overwhelmed. It's exactly. so much information thrown at them at one time. And I feel like it took me months, really even years after Forest Hospital experience to really even be able to say, wow, all the different things. And I didn't utilize them all because right. it was such a day in, day out. Is he going to live or is he going to die? Mm-hmm. That I couldn't even focus on me at all, but I couldn't focus on all the other things that were kind of offered. Um, and so if it wasn't for people kind of pouring into us saying, you know, these are different things. So all that to say, we encourage you to be that voice to obviously families, but also those that are listening that have a friend or a family member. Exactly. And, and yeah, let them know about our program. Yeah. Um, say, hey, next time you're at the doctor, ask that doctor to make a referral. And it, it, it has happened. And, yeah. and I, I love how sort of that families that we have served in Memphis Child, then we'll tell another family. Yeah. And then from time to time, they will call us directly and we'll say, okay, then we'll talk to your doctor uh-huh. and get a referral. But uh-huh. that's that's fine. That's great. But yeah. yeah, we have been impacted by this program. And it's just like you said, when, the, when they've been there in the hospital, they're just completely overwhelmed right. with this child getting well. But once they get home, they can think. So yeah, for those listening... Let people know about this program. And we also say a lot, don't worry about it. We are an income-based service, but don't sit there and think, well, maybe they won't qualify. Don't, or, or it doesn't hurt to it ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. Um, the other thing, all of our t- attorneys are, are licensed in Tennessee. So primarily the issues that we work on, we have to, we, we have ways of connecting uh, families with assistance in North Mississippi in eastern Arkansas, our primary, primary service areas for Lebanon for legal issues that we can't handle uh, because we're not licensed in those states. But there are other issues that we can handle. For instance, I represent families in Mississippi and Arkansas with SSI issues, which I can do. But anyway, I say all that to say don't get caught up in all that minutia of whether okay. somebody qualifies yeah. or whether that's an issue that Memphis Child can handle. Just send them to us, and even if it's not something that we can handle, we have – resources in other places and even for families that may be over income for our services we can connect them to get help in a way that's much more direct uh, and efficient and helpful than a family trying to you know pull down the yellow pages gosh that shows you how senior i am (laughs) (laughs) get on google and so let me find an attorney or call that guy up there on the billboard and see if they can help yeah Um, yeah yeah. well um 
obviously you are one of those families, your family is one of those families that if it wasn't for Forrest and if it wasn't for Madeline, I don't know if we would have ever met. Um, We obviously are in different schools and different areas. And so um, because of our children and our own Labonner stories, we've had the chance to meet and become good friends and uh, walk in each other's lives for 14 plus years. And so um, from my family and from the Forcemans Fund, thank you for everything uh, you do. Thank you. thank you for your service to our community and to Labonner. Thank you for the way that you and Bridget serve, um, volunteer, and in your work. And um, it's been such a, a joy to walk this road and this journey with y'all. You. And yeah. um, y'all have been an inspiration to many, many people. So thanks yeah. for being on. Thanks for sharing thanks your for story. And um, we're just thankful to have you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.